Welcome to these three very special episodes of A View From The Side. My name is Rosie Clement Henyon and in April this year, 2021, I joined the G39 team, an artist-run gallery based in Cardiff. One of my first roles as a Jeward Unite intern was to support five artists in residence. They were Gwenny Lloyd, Gwenba, Wendy Short, Sadia Panida, Hamid and Bo Beekhouse and Yoande Yoyo Adonabi. Unite is a nine-week artist studio residency programme at G39, devised by artists for artists. It is a space for artistic practice and its associated research, experiments for testing and sharing ideas, discussions and discovery. At the end of the residency, the five artists had the opportunity to share their work with the public for an open studio weekend. During these five artists' time at the G39 Unite residency, it was my delight to support them through curatorial discussions and to see their work develop. The following three episodes are a documentation of their experiences and processes on the programme, as well as a reflection on their earliest memories of art and route into becoming an artist. I hope you find this inspiring or that it may assist you on your own creative path. Hi, my name is Joande Yoyo Dunaby. I am based in London. I am an artist, culture producer and curator. Currently, I've been thinking a lot about the body and its means for an ability for communicating different ideas, different feelings and like processes of emotions. Particularly, I've been interested in the black body and my body um, and its intersections and how I communicate a sense of presence and awareness into my practice, thinking a lot about the embodied state and how that connection to my body and expression, like a physical expression, can lead itself into other areas of my practice, like producing and working with other people collaboratively. So that's been a lot on my mind. What are your aims and inspirations for this residency and how do you think the studio space will allow that? My aims coming into this residency was really trying to find space and time to think about these ideas that I had around the body and my voice and maybe sometimes absence of voice. What I could read, watch, listen to that would help me to kind of open up maybe research points about some of those feelings. Um, I really am in a transitional period in my career in that I was doing a lot of culture producing and slash curating before and working a lot with different performers of different lived experience, particularly looking at artists who were kind of blowing on opening out from a position of marginalisation and what they, that meant to kind of occupy space and working with a lot of those practitioners and doing a lot of that work to support their work into space often led me to thinking about what it meant for me to occupy space, what was my performance in that and I really wanted to give time and energy to thinking about myself in that way and also centering some of my feelings in space, centering my presence in space and kind of play with that a little bit more, especially as someone of black experience. I am of Nigerian heritage or specifically, so I wanted to also bring that into the mix and open up possibly um, ideas for exploring that and reading text that could help me think a lot about my kind of bodily experience in space. Um, I think with Coming into G39, I was interested in what, like, 
if I was afforded time and space to really dedicate and focus on that, how would that play in me focusing on myself? How could I explore that? What would that play look like? And also being alongside other artists who were exploring their own kind of jump-off points, um, how could that affect my practice? Could it be another opening or could it be a disturbance and not necessarily in a negative way, but just kind of what effect and relation that would have on my work and me maybe accepting uh, the space that I was in at the time. So one of the texts that I had been, was given to me by a friend, but I've actually also listened to it before, was Audre Lorde's Uses of the Erotic. And I was really interested in that space of the erotic as an opening. I, when, I think when Audre Lorde talks about the erotic, she speaks about this kind of internal space, almost this dark space, but in a not in a way of where I think we perceive darkness, but there's, because I, I think we usually attribute like light to that kind of source of inspiration and like that jump off um, energy. But she talks about this like internal space being this source of power. And for me, having spent a lot of time not tapping into that, and I think really trying to live that in my body, I was really interested in how I could, um, I guess research more about that and find where I wanted to be in conversation with that and how I wanted to express that conversation. So that's definitely one text that has been one that I would recommend. And there's another text she also wrote, which was Poetry is Not a Luxury. And that also was really interesting for me in, in, I think, having to come back to this idea or maybe just affirming this idea that what I'm doing is important. Like this work of art, this kind of dipping into my own poetry is important to like, dare I say, like making an effect on the way that I practice and how I work with people, which is important, like for me personally, but also to kind of like the arts in general and you know, how we like commune and collaborate. So just helping to remind me that what I'm doing is, you know, valid and on the right path. I'm reading an excerpt from Audre Lorde's Poetry is Not a Luxury. For each of us as women, there is a dark place within, where hidden and growing our true spirit rises, beautiful and tough, as chestnut and stanchions against your nightmares of weakness and of impotence. These places of possibility within ourselves are dark because they are ancient and hidden. They have survived and grown strong through that darkness. Within these deep places each of us holds an incredible reserve of creativity and power of examined unrecorded emotion and feeling the woman's place of power within each of us is neither white nor surface it is dark it is ancient and it is deep mm. the arts it is put as a luxury completely so mm. knowing that it's valid and i think art's a really important space to question things mm. because of the way it is open-ended and you present what you're you express what you want to and it's nice to see what different people take from it mm. but as well for you Tony. yeah and i think it's also just for me it allows that space to join different thought processes or different sources together and play in that and play is also important in that navigation of developing ideas and like being present in the moment of whatever it is that you're doing to kind of like get like a very visceral tactile response that's important as well it doesn't it there is work in it but then there's also a source of joy which i think is really interesting 
I'm Gwenith Wood. I'm an artist based in Cardiff. Uh, I'm originally from Northwest Wales and I predominantly work in video, drawing and installation. So I'm really enjoying the Jerwood Unite residency. I've been doing a lot of large-scale drawing, which is something I haven't been able to do for a while. I've been working on 3D animations as well. What are your aims for residency? How is the sort of studio space allowing that? So when I was proposing what I would do for the Jerwood Unite residency, I was thinking a lot about a quote by Jenny O'Dell. And she basically says, what do we do virtually when the physical world is crumbling all around us? So I'd say my focus for the residency is around this kind of world building and how you translate a physical world digitally and vice versa. My aims for the residency are to kind of blur this boundary between physical and digital making and kind of see where slippages occur and how textures and uh, tactility can kind of leak into the digital and yeah and I'm, I'm really interested in how drawing might slip into the work I'm making digitally and how physical drawing and large-scale drawing might start to become its own type of world building and yeah I'm really intrigued to see what happens when I make physical things for the first time in a year. Um, I think I've been focused on digital making for maybe, maybe even before the lockdown. I was mainly working digitally and small scale due to kind of space restriction and budget restriction and the opportunity to be in a studio where I actually have space to kind of grow and spread out and just see where things go is amazing. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens when I'm able to just kind of do do everything. <laughs> I was just thinking on that thought because I haven't asked you this before, but because this is an audio project, have you been considering what science you want to put with it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess in my previous work, my video work, I, I do a lot of ambient kind of soundtracks that respond to the imagery I'm using or textures I'm using. Sometimes I make sound first and then put imagery and footage and things together around that but I'm not sure how how I'm going to use sound yet. I think it's an element I would like to include uh, and whether that's kind of played out loud or on headphones. Yeah it's something I need to I need to think about. So maybe yeah maybe it becomes more of this kind of world building thing where you step into a space and you can you can hear the world as well. I've been collecting a lot of like field recordings of strange kind of electrical and boiler noises recently. That sounds really weird, but <laughs> I think maybe they could become a part of a, a soundscape or some kind of expanded sound thing that could become a part of the work I'm making on Unite at the moment. I am Gwen, my artist's name is Gwenba. It's how I used to spell my name as a kid and I think that sort of correlates with the work that I make now in terms of kind of coming from this perspective of like childhood innocence or even imagination, kind of viewing the world in this absurd way I, that I quite like. I'm a new media artist, quite multidisciplinary, 
primarily working in like video and text and performance and sound and just a bit of everything really. Recently a lot of 3D sculptures as well and I tend to have sort of a theatrical narrative in mind and I sort of use all of these different mediums to create a story and like over this sort of residency opportunity thing. I'm excited to work more in installation, kind of more interactive and experience-based media to sort of bring an audience or bring new people to be a part of the story almost, to be sort of sucked into the narrative, if you will. What drew you to the theatrical narrative? I think like, honestly, I think Soviet fantasy movies. Yeah, so like, there's this like really strange niche of sort of Russian cinema. That's nuts, because I recommended a book to you. Okay. I don't know if you've read it. It's called The Master Margarita from 1966. No. But it was it took 20 years to get published. Okay. It was written from Soviet times. It's yeah. like the magic realism going on yeah, in Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like a huge sort of thing. And there's a ton of sort of like fairy tale movies. And I just got so enchanted by it all. And I was like, I want to make something like this. Like the costumes, the sets, it was so like, it was so extra, it was so big and, and beautiful and like lights were everywhere and, and again I think it comes back to this idea of like this childhood imagination and what a child would imagine a fantasy world to be, you know. And it, you know, they didn't have amazing CGI and all that stuff, it was all handmade and it was all, and I don't know, I, th I thought the craft in it was amazing and I just got really, really inspired by it. So I know there's one, the Russian names escape me, but I know there's sort of like a Sleeping Beauty, there was a Little Mermaid, so all the sort of old school fairy tales sort of remade in probably between the 60s and the 80s, around that time. And yeah, that was a huge influence to making my own props and sets and stuff like that. And like the fabrics and textures and everything that was just so like dazzling and quite like fantastical in a way. I really loved that. And so I was like, oh, I'll just make my own sets and costumes and become these characters. And like, it was a lot of fun. It was kind of like playtime, you know? It was like, you'd go and you'd be this other person or other character. Mainly like non-human or playing with this idea of what humanness is. Um, always has really sort of like interested me. I think even it's kind of still stayed in my work now, I think to a certain extent. Do you still embody that same character or is it constantly developing? I think, I mean, I name them all different things, but I think ultimately it's sort of this like same part of myself that feels, that feels like a bit of an outsider, that feels like a bit, I don't know, weird in this human body almost. Like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just in this little flash shoot thing and just experiencing life and how can I, how can I make a character that really sort of personifies that feeling, essentially? And they come in like a lot of different ways. Yeah, usually they're kind of anonymous characters too. I don't give them actual names. They're usually like character one or like um, pro or just character or the one that I'm doing right now is called Prototype G. Oh, and the, the cyborg that I made in my final year of uni, she was called Low Version 3. So like you can kind of see what it spells like so L-O version 3 which kind of looks like love which is like a super <laughs> stone at all <laughs> but um so um, what character are you focusing on for this project for the residency yeah so this this character as I mentioned um she's called or they're called prototype G and they're sort of this I don't know I, I do like the idea of it being this sort of like anonymous figure it's still myself in costume and stuff but it's almost as if like I've just scooped out a little part of myself and placed it in a character and done it like that. There's a little narrative that I've done for the project because the project for this residency is called Mycelium Systems and I've been looking at sort of, I was really interested in ectomycorrhizal fungi 
So sort of the internet, the nature where their roots or their hi-fi mycelium connect to other plants and sort of use, and sort of plants, trees, whatever, use that as a form of communication, whether that's to warn about pests or like to give each other nutrients. I don't know, I just thought it was like a really wholesome thing and I was like, oh, there's something here. And I've sort of compared it to the, to the way that we communicate online. And so that's sort of the themes, but the character itself, prototype G, she, like in my head, the narrative goes like this. So she's on the computer and she clicks on this pop-up ad and she's like, oh, she doesn't read the terms and conditions or anything. She just seems like this is a good idea. So she clicks on it and she has to give like her heart to like the mycelium like systems essentially. So she, she gets sucked into this warpy world of digitalized nature and she has to sort of like try and navigate it and find her heart so that's sort of the premise of it and I've been doing like a lot of editing and experiments with costume and stuff and I did actually build some sets for it as well because I think the work that I've been making exists between real life and virtual space so I'll make sort of real sculptures and film them and put them into like digital form but I'll also sort of make 3D sculptures and I don't know use video to create sets and stuff yeah that's a really long answer to your question that's really good that's really helpful and I think it's really nice because that's sort of what I wanted to talk about like your aims for the residency and what the project might be and I think it'd be interesting to see what happens when it fully develops into the space Mm. just to talk about the the inspirations for it were there certain texts and films that sort of ignited that yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for like sci-fi movies and stuff and speculative fiction writing and things like that. So, of course, that's going to play into it. And I've also been playing cyberpunk recently, which has also made me think about some of this weird dystopia of technology. But honestly, I think one of the main inspirations was generally reading textbooks about mushrooms like I was I just got really into it and got into a rabbit hole about it and um, I don't know if you, you're familiar with archive.org no. oh it's such a good website it, it sort of hosts all kinds of like old documentaries and books wow. and it's got it's a huge free resource but yeah I was just going through that and just having a field day reading about these mushroom stuff and yeah I didn't get bored for some reason I was just like really into it I was like oh I'm learning so much about hi-fi and about how they connect to things yeah, it's brilliant. Love that. Like, <laughs> it's, sim- it's something as simple as like, yeah, this is so interesting. These mushrooms, and so it just mm. like sets off this whole project, which yeah. is great. And yeah, and it's like accumulated. I think like a lot of what you've done, mm. and it's interesting to see it develop. How do you think being in the city is changing, or is it influencing the project? I think so, and in some ways, because obviously I was based at home and. With COVID and stuff, it was mainly online interactions with friends and stuff. But being able to go out and meet people and even like have these really in-depth conversations with strangers, I definitely think has influenced like what I write about and how I and how I write about it because I think one of the huge themes that my work explores is this idea of communication. And after being stuck in so long, only on social media and only talking like virtually. And writing about that and now going into a scenario where I talk to people in real life, it's almost like a culture shock again because you're getting back into it and you've got to relearn how to do everything again. But I think, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely influenced me in the way I write and what I write about after certain conversations especially, um, which is great. That's really interesting with this idea about what is humanness and the thing about culture shock can be reintroduced to yeah, humans. Yeah, for sure, and, like, for sure. So I'm Bo. And I'm Sadia. 
Um, we're artists uh, based in Cardiff. We also run the curatorial project Lumen, which works with exhibition, print and radio. In our collaborative arts practice, we work with woodcraft, film, installation and performance mainly. And we work around themes of kind of non-human allyship and intergenerational kind of, I guess, intergenerational trauma and alternative modes of communication. How is it all going being at G39 for Unite? It's going well now. It was a bit at the beginning we weren't sure how to use the studio space but just in the last what three weeks we've kind of figured out not to feel pressured by an outcome. We're using the space now to, to map out some of the ideas that we had before but kind of always got sidetracked away from because we've always been working on like project-based work and yeah we've never had a studio where we could just be free to just explore our actual practice yeah and taking taking some of the ideas that we've had and like focusing in on them and like having time to yeah focus on them and try new stuff out so with the residency what are those central ideas and themes you're looking at exploring one of the things we're looking at is dramatisation. So in past projects we, we've worked with um, fictionalisation and um, dramatic kind of radio play readings and those are things we always wanted to follow but never had the chance to. So now we're looking at dramatisation in a kind of much broader sense. An example is that when we made the radio show Local 37 that was kind of inspired by itinerant workers, particularly like Filipino workers that were moving and working in the US. And then when we did this radio show, we, using sound, we kind of tried to imagine, reimagine and dramatise these experiences and kind of present them in new ways. Yeah, so we're going to use the studio to kind of explore different kind of moments and how we might want to interpret them through dramatisation. Another thing that we're not sure how it links yet is looking at networks and linkages, which we've, we've sort of done in other work in terms of either kind of like rhizomatic relationships between the political and the social and like the past and the future, but also very recently about the blogosphere and internet links and how that kind of evolved from kind of the internet started as like a resource for links and then became a way that humans would filter out links and that, that idea that like algorithms could never mm. fully, algorithms could never show people what their interests are because they lack that kind of human way of forming links between things. So those two ideas seem separate for now, <laughs> but we're going to use this residency to see if they kind of mm. link up the internet as well is quite interesting looking about the history of it and how it started off because it started off those people in the 90s were like it's going to be the new utopia and all of that and I think uh, there was like a clip on Adam a Curtis documentary on it I don't know if you've seen I think it was called Brave New World and there was this moment and it was visualising yeah they thought they were going to build this utopia world and so that's quite funny <laughs> talking about like the internet as decaying as archive and I think it was just before but you know how MySpace started up with like loads of things and that was the whole culture yeah it's kind of just I don't know it's changed you're talking about you want to move into dramatisation has there been anything you've listened or watched to that's really inspired the way you'd like to achieve it one of the things that kind of made us think about following that train of like fictionalization dramatization was this book 
called Listening to Images by Tina Kempt. And it's about how you can kind of, I don't know, if the more you kind of spend time with archival photographs and images, the more they can kind of speak and kind of tell histories that aren't really there on the surface. And in that sense, we were going to look at some images of like political figures or like moments in history or personal history. And in the same way that you could like listen to that image, we thought maybe the, the restaging of it or reenactment could make it speak a bit more. That's really cool when thinking about it because when you look at a painting as well, you kind of take for granted what's on the surface, you just kind of scan over it and how our eyes sort of pick up things we recognise. But if you think of it as listening, it kind of makes you go more in depth and like yeah. through it, which right. is, yeah. <laughs> Do like a little intro. A little intro to just other than to you and your practice. Hi, my name is Wendy Short and I work primarily with sound and moving image and I'm interested really in kind of the ways in which we're connected to one another and making sense of that in relation to the past and the present and the future. Previous films that I've made have tended to be more documentary focused, focusing on a site and the meaning attached to that place. One film would be Overtime, which was a portrait of a live workspace in Dalston um, in the 10 months prior to the redevelopment of that place. Um, so it had been functioning as a kind of creative space, unofficial creative space for about 20 years. Um, so I filmed it over 10 months and worked with residents who, who lived there uh, to put on events, uh, performances in the space, which were then incorporated into the soundtrack of the film. And I guess it was, in a way, I had a lot of personal connections to the place, not that that was really important for the viewer of the film, but it was a nice way to to map all those connections and that kind of personal archive. From that project, I liked collaborating with other people and filming other people performing. And also, I guess with that project, I filmed it, like I filmed about 25 hours worth. And then I, so over over 10 months and I edited it down into a 10 minute film. So this kind of collage of moments in time. And I guess that kind of way of working where I was piecing lots of things together has been similar for this film, Patsy. So I had one, although this was more about an idea rather than a place as a location uh, for the work. What I want to do is move away from making documentary work that's very much based on extended observation uh, to something that's more scripted and staged. And in this work, it's much more intentional what I'm filming and it's led by the ideas and and bringing together all the different strands of research. The film Patsy, or the, the body of work that I'm working on on the residency is called Patsy. And it's basically around time, mortality, micro chimera and the power of dance. And it stems from events surrounding my mother's kidney transplant. So she had a transplant in 2017. And when she received the new kidney, the doctors in the hospital told her to give it a name. 
of and name it as someone who would keep going and never give up. So she called it Patsy after my grandmother who was 94 at the time. And for six days that Patsy just lay inert in her body and we didn't know whether she would be re rejected or not. So at that point, kind of time, it was standing still. And on the sixth night, um, my mum went on a Tina Turner Spotify odyssey, kind of bed dancing to try and wake Patsy up. And then the next morning, Patsy came to life. So I kind of loved the the bleakness and the absurdity absurdity of that, like of my mum confronting mortality through bed dancing, and also that Tina Turner's had a transplant too. Were there any projects that inspired what, how you're working at the moment? Or would you say it's more texts? I would say probably things that have yeah, it's been texts that I've been reading that have been inspiring. So. Before I arrived, I was reading uh, Carlo Rovelli's The Order of Time and also Juliet Singh's No Archive Will Restore You, so thinking about the body as an archive, and also some writing around what a microchimera is and dancing, and dance is a kind of a healing, an act of self-care.